You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 218, Leadership Lessons from the Gospel of Luke. Now, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we spent, um, I believe it was three lessons in the Gospel of Matthew, pulling leadership insights from the ministry of Jesus and his teaching out of there. Then we spent two episodes in the Gospel of Mark, seeing what Jesus had to say about leadership and uh, looking at the way Jesus did certain things, especially um, that how he picked his own disciples. Um, and now we're moving into the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to see what Luke has to say about leadership. And of course, with any new text, we start off with these really three important subjects, the audience, the author, and the text. Well, first of all, who was the book written to? Well, Luke is kind. He actually tells us who he was writing to in the first chapter. He says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used eyewitness reports that are circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Well, isn't that nice of Luke to tell us who he was writing to? Someone named Theophilus. The bad news is we have no idea who Theophilus was. It was a fairly common name. It meant a friend of God. Um, and, you know, he might have been a wealthy patron who was supporting Luke's work. It was a very expensive process to write a book in the first century. Uh, maybe he was a pastor. We really don't know, but it's also very clear that Luke was writing to a church. Each of the Gospels was written to a specific group of Christians, and from the text, it's uh, pretty clear that Luke was writing to a Greek-speaking audience. Um, a Greek audience, and, and, and Luke himself was the only non-Jewish writer in the Bible, and uh, he's writing to... Uh, people who grew up steeped in Greek philosophy. And so that's a, 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 a general idea of who he was writing to. The specific church, we're not sure. Some scholars think that Luke came from Macedonia. Others think he came from Antioch of Syria, where Barnabas founded a church and Paul helped pastor um, for, for some time. Um, that's very possible. We really don't know. But it is clear that he's writing to a uh, non-Jewish Greek-speaking church. So that's the audience. What about the author? Well, Dr. Luke, as Paul referred to him, the beloved physician, has been commonly accepted as the author of Luke, but not only Luke, but also the book of Acts. And uh, Luke is his uh, collection, his uh, narrative about the life of Jesus, the gospel is. And um, writing as a pastor 
Uh, he's writing about things that pastors would have been concerned about, and we'll talk about those and a couple of those things in a minute. Um, we know that Luke, as we said, was a traveling companion of Paul. He was part of Paul's team. He was also a pastor. We know that he pastored at least one church, the church of Philippi, after Paul and his companion Silas were forced to leave. Um, and then eventually he joined back up with Paul and was, uh, for in, in different parts of Acts, was an eyewitness account of what happened. So he had quite the resume and, uh, you know, really a, a, an amazing Christian leader. Now let's talk about the text. Well, Luke Acts, and it was it was one volume in the early church. It was um, uh, it's quite large. If you take the book of the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts and put them together, you've essentially got twenty five percent of the New Testament. So Luke was a a prolific writer. Um, he was a you know very uh, thoughtful man. His Greek was very very good. He was a very educated man. His vocabulary is large. And the text that he composed is beautiful. Now, what, is, what does Luke have to tell us about leadership? What do we find in the life of Jesus that's worth considering for those of us that are leaders? Well, first of all, I want to talk about, and this is, again, predominantly dealing with this subject as Christian leaders. If you're not a Christian, then this, this really doesn't apply to you. But it's it's definitely worth listening to because it'll help you to understand why Christians may do the things some of the things they do. Number one, Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit to help him do his job. He relied on the Holy Spirit. And just a couple of passages of scripture to to set some context. In John chapter four, one it says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. Uh, it says that when the, um, Jesus returned to Galilee, he was filled with the Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. Just a couple more real quick because they will really help frame what we're going to talk about. In chapter 10, verse 21, it says, At that time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, O oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. And then one more. Chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus says this, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit, to those who ask Him. So why is this important? You know, as Christians, we understand that we are called to work with God. He decided from the very beginning to work through humanity. He doesn't need us, but He has chosen to work through us. And so as people, as human beings who are seeking to serve God, seeking to put Him first, seeking to establish His kingdom on the earth, we have to cooperate with His Spirit working through us. We understand that He provides the energy, that He provides the insight, that He provides the anointing, which is just another word for power, to get much of the things done or many of the things done that we have to accomplish. 
He also, the Holy Spirit, gives gifts to his people. And when we read about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, and also in Ephesians 4, we see that these gifts really fit in very well with leadership. And, I mean, who doesn't need supernatural wisdom? Who doesn't need supernatural knowledge and faith? Um, just, just a few examples. So, um, Jesus himself relied on the Holy Spirit. Now, what that means for us as Christians and for leaders is Jesus was fully God and fully man. However, on earth, he chose to limit himself. What do we mean? Well, as a, as a human, he could only be at one place at one time. He had limited knowledge. He had um, limited understanding. He chose to limit himself. He could be killed. We saw that. As a man, he could be physically harmed and killed. So what he came to do as a man with God's nature was to show us how we could live as, as he did, depending on the Holy Spirit and trusting in the Holy Spirit. So this is so important. We see Jesus doing miracle after miracle, and I think sometimes we just kind of downplay that and say, oh, well, that's just because he was Jesus. He was God. But I think if we're going to live the normal Christian life and if we're going to be the leaders and the people that God's called us to be, we have to understand that we can tap into that same power. We have access to that same power as well if we believe God's word. To say that, well, Jesus did this miracle or that miracle, I, I could never do that. Well, with that attitude, that's exactly right. I think what, in that case, what Henry Ford said was um, extremely true. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. But again, it's not us doing it in our power. It's us connecting with God and, and, and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I think as a Christian leader, we have to learn how to operate in the realm of the Spirit. Um, there are times when God will challenge us to do things that make no sense at all. There are times when we'll be um, given vision for, for something down the road that we have absolutely no resources for. And we know it's God giving us the vision, and yet we have no resources for it. Well, that's where faith comes in. And that's why you, so often you see uh, men and women of God doing really amazing work because they were willing to believe the vision that God gave them. So Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit. And then number two, the, the second thing, and we'll um, stop with this one, is Jesus had a consistent prayer life. Listen, if you're a leader, especially if you're a Christian leader, you need to be praying every day. Obviously, as Christians, we should be praying. But if you're a leader, you should be even praying more. You should be praying for wisdom and praying for guidance and praying for the people who are entrusted to you. And we see this in the life of Jesus over and over and over. Let me give you just a couple of examples from Luke. Luke is often referred to as the gospel of the Holy Spirit and the gospel of prayer because these things are so prevalent. But in uh, Luke 5, Verse 16, it says, But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. The next chapter, it says, One day soon afterward, Jesus went up to a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them. Isn't that amazing? Jesus spent all night in prayer before choosing 
his disciples. How much do you pray when you have to make personnel decisions? How much do you pray before hiring or firing or even having a difficult conversation with somebody on your team? How much do you pray? Obviously, Jesus did because he spent all night praying before he selected those 12 men. Um, let's see, chapter 9, we see another example of Jesus in prayer. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a mountain to pray. And this is, the, of course, the transfiguration story. Um, chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. So, again, fascinating, fascinating stuff. But I, I guess the, the, the best way to look at this is just to challenge myself and to challenge us. If Jesus, the Son of God, had to spend so much time praying, how can I do any less? And, you know, whatever that looks like for you or whatever that looks like for me, it's going to be different. But we need to make prayer a priority, especially if you're in a leadership role. Um Pray for your people. Pray for the decisions you have to make. Pray for those above you. Pray for those below you. Let prayer become an important part of your leadership toolbox. Um, it'll change you, and if we believe what the Bible says, it'll change situations and circumstances. Well, I'm going to wrap it up here in just a minute, but I want to let you know this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to us by uh, an amazing book, the Charismatic Theology of St. Luke by Roger Stronstadt. Normally I highlight one of my books, but this is one of my very favorite books on uh, the Gospel of Luke and Acts. Uh, it's powerful stuff. Stronstadt really takes us through uh, Luke and Acts and shows us that, that Dr. Luke was the most charismatic, the most spirit-filled um, at least in his emphasis in the way he wrote of all the gospel writers. So it's definitely worth a read. It's not, an, it's not a hard read, even though it's called a theology book. It's actually a really delightful book, and I would encourage you to check it out. Well, I would also ask you to go to davidspell.com and leave a question or comment if you have one. Make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. And until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you to keep developing leaders.